The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. One line and miss, and Mike Fires has thrown his second no-hitter. And 29 other MLB clubs. 2-2 pitch on Trout, and he blasts one. Way back! Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From the opener to launch angles to clutch moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. How is everybody doing? Yes, it is A's Cast Live, and this is a big A's Cast Live. Why? Because it's a big series. Get ready to strap it on the Oakland Athletics up against the Houston Astros. This is going to be so good from Minute Maid Park. The pitching matchups are just fire. Homer Bailey up against Garrett Cole. Tomorrow, Mike Fires up against Wade Miley. And then Wednesday, Chris Bassett against our old nemesis, Justin Verlander. It doesn't get any better than that. This is what it's about. Yeah, it's fun playing the other teams, but when you're trying to chase somebody down as the athletics are, your destiny right now is in your own hands. That's what you love about where the A's are right now. They're six and a half games back. They, they're in the lead for the second wild card, so if it all ended today, they'd be in the playoffs. And now you're going up against the Houston Astros, who are red hot. They've won five in a row. Ever since that dust-up with the Angels, they've been fired up. I I cannot wait for this series. Jeff Blum, our old buddy, the Cal Bear, the World Series hero for the White Sox, who now does television for the Astros, is going to join us at 3.30. Strap it on. As my... Old partner Bill Romanowski used to say on our Raiders pregame show, this is a big boy pads game. You got to wear your big boy pads in this. The A's, the last time they saw the Astros, check this out. You want some nuggy nugs today? The last time the Athletics saw the, and by the way, no longer the, my wife still loves to do this. How are the Lastros doing? <laughs> the Lastros anyway. By the way, before I start giving you nuggy nugs, welcome back to my producer, Cody, Commander Cody. So you didn't get eaten by a shark when you were up at uh, wherever you were. Yeah, we went camping up in Mendocino. Uh, no sharks, although there is a photo I sent you of a shark in the background of the photo we took of us kayaking uh, on the Pacific Ocean. But, no, no sharks. We did see sea lions, but none of them were flopping in the air like you saw at Alcatraz. So I made it back safely. Um, the dog made it back safely. Surprisingly, she handled the kayaking very well, which I did not see coming at all. Did you hear about the uh, guys fishing next to Alcatraz as they reeled in a fish and then a great white came up and snatched the fish? Is this the one you were talking about last week or is this, is this a new one? This is a new one. This happened just recently. I did not hear this one. Then. The, the one I was telling you about happened like a couple of years ago where the great white breached out of the water by Alcatraz. They caught it on camera. I'll bring that up for you. But here, here's, a, here, here's a little ocean knowledge for you, okay? Felicia Borrego, one of my best friends, 
used to work for Save the Bay. She was one of the top lieutenants for Save the Bay. So she knows a lot about the ocean. And we were talking about how down in Santa Cruz, there's so many great whites in Santa Cruz in that area. They're calling it Shark Park, right? And she goes, well, to be honest with you, it's a good sign. I'm like, what do you mean it's a good sign? More great whites is a good sign? Yes. You know why? Because it means the ecosystem is healthy right now. Sharks keep coming around. Sharks are getting bigger. But that means all the other life is going good in the ocean. So lots of sharks can be a good sign for the ocean. All I can think about when you're talking about sharks in the ocean is the episode of Seinfeld with George telling everyone he's a marine biologist. (laughs) All right, here's some nuggy nugs for you. Last time the Athletics saw the Astros was June 2nd. The A's record at that time was 29-30. and That That wasn't very good. They have now won 28 of 41. Only the Indians have a better record over that span. And their run differential, I forgot to highlight this. This is a good one. Their run differential during that time is plus 73. Plus 73. Unbelievable. So... The A's are playing well. They should have won yesterday. They could have stole that game yesterday, but, of course, they blew it. But you got to think the Astros are playing great ball. The Astros have out – they got a five-game winning streak. They have outscored their opponents 32-11. to Wow. And they've won 14 of their last 19. But this, this is where – this is where the rubber meets the road. It's all about their starting pitching. Because right now, Houston starters are 5-0 and with a 1.78 ERA during this winning streak. And the guy they got going tonight, Garrett Cole, his last 10 starts, he's 6-0 and with a 2.11. Is that any good? So, this is a big boy pad game. It's going to be great. And don't think that the A's are in trouble here because, you know, I I think back to last year when the A's went in there to Minute Maid Park and should have swept a four-game series. It was that fluky play. God, I got to remember, it was Jonathan Lucroy. It was some type of weird play where, the as a catcher, the ball came out of his hand. It was a controversial play. Got to look it up. And he couldn't throw the guy out at first, and then the winning run came home. And if it wasn't for that fluky play, the A's could have swept four games. So I don't think they come in going, uh-oh. And we wanted to start the show out today because the power rankings are out, baby. That's right. And let me just tell you the title of the power rankings on ESPN.com. And I like ESPNs. It says power rankings. Surging Indians, A's, and Nats reignite races. How about that? Number one in your power ranking is, shouldn't be too shocked, the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Dodgers on the season are 67 and 35. Wow. That's pretty incredible. Number two. The Bronx Bombers, they're 64 and 34. So basically, these rankings have stayed the same. The Dodgers have been in first, 
and the Yankees have been in second for a while now. And someone's moved up the board to number three. And, of course, you don't have a drum roll, do you? No. Number three, the Houston Astros. They've moved up from number four to number three. Why? Because they are red hot. Number four, they've dropped because they have not been playing great baseball, even though they split the series against the A's. Number four is the Minnesota Twins. They had been number three. Now they're number four. Number five. That's good producing. That's, that's, that is solid. Number five. The Atlanta Braves at 60 and 41. They stay the same. But here's the biggie. Number six. In your power rankings, ESPN.com, number six in all of baseball is... It's like we had it's like we got a new toy. The Oakland Athletics. Previously, the Athletics were number eight. They're now number six at 57 and 43. And just think about this. Last time they met on June 2nd, where do you think the A's were in the power rankings? I'll be honest with you, I don't know. But last time they met, they were 29 and 30. I bet they weren't even in the top 20. It says, since coming off the injured list, May 7th, Matt Olson has been on a tear for the A's. Although the pull hitter who often sees defensive shifts against him, he's a perfect 5-for-5 five five on bunt hits, the only player with 20, 20 or more homers and 5 or more bunt hits. Ha-ha-ha! <laughs> Love it. So that's, that's, that's some good stuff right there. They're ahead of the Tribe that are number 7. Cubbies are 8. Nats are number 9, while the Red Sox are number 10. And look at the Tampa Bay Rays. Because of their struggles, they have dropped. They were, the last power ranking, they were 6th. They're now 11th as they have uh, really struggled here down the stretch. Looking forward to this. It's going to be really good. It's going to be, but you know what the thing is, and it is hard to believe because what did we talk about in spring training? All we talked about in spring training was the bullpen, the bullpen, the bullpen, the bullpen. So I go to the Bible here, which is my scorebook, and I worked out the numbers. If you weren't listening to the A's Clubhouse show after yesterday's game, shame on you. Were you listening, Cody? You weren't listening. A's, with the walk-off loss to the Twins, their bullpen now, the numbers are just not good. And we talked about the strength of this team. What was the number one strength of this team in spring training? Was the bullpen. That's what we thought. Because the bullpen, I mean, last year the bullpen was 45-17. and 17. They only had 18 blown saves with an ERA of 3.37. Where are we now? They have more losses now than they had all of last year. With that loss yesterday, the bullpen is now 15 and 19. 
15 and 9. They had four they had 17 losses last year. They got 19 already and we're not even in August. They have 19 blown saves compared to last year only 18. They're six and a half games back of the Astros. Can you imagine if the bullpen was just half? If they were just half as good as they were last year, they'd be tied or ahead of the Astros. They've given up so many games. It really is hard to believe how bad the bullpen has been. They've had stretches. Now, they've had, to be fair, they have had stretches where they have been good. But that doesn't matter. You got to... It's about what you do for 162, and so far for 162, they are not getting it done. So hopefully they can get on track because if you think about it, if you're, a, if you're able to have Liam, Trinan, Trevine, I mean, that, that would just be a three-headed flamethrower. It'd be like Godzilla. Spitting out flames. It'd be a monster. If you had those three guys going all at the same time, oh, my God. But the problem is, they don't. And you know whose bullpen's really good? The Houston Astros. So that's the one thing. What's the Achilles heel? And whenever I say that, people text in, it's not a heel, it's a tendon. I know, it's the same. And you can. Chime in. You can text us at 510-897-1322. That's 510-897-1322. So the bullpen has to get better if they're going to chase down the Houston Astros. That is just the bottom line. But both these teams hit. The A's, they've got eight players with 10 or more home runs. (laughs) That is unreal. Coming up next, today in Major League Baseball, we're seeing a first ever. We'll talk about next right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. We got to throw some congratulations out there. First and foremost, the voice of summer, Ken Korak, getting into the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame. I'm not sure. Am I talking to Ken or am I talking to Vince today? When we do the uh, A's total access, I don't know. I'll, I'll text uh, Robert Costa and find out. Yeah, find out. So congratulations to the Hall of Famer, the voice of summer, Ken Korak. And Ramon Laureano. How about Ramon Laser? He's player of the week in the American League. I mean, you talk about a guy who has just been slaying it. Ramon Laureano has been phenomenal blossoming into a great player right in front of our eyes. I mean, you think of what he's been doing. He hit 542, 10 runs, 6 doubles, 2 home runs, 2 RBIs, a 577 on base percentage, 1,042 slugging for a 1,619 OPS in 6 games. I mean, that's he reached base in all six games, collected multiple hits in five of them, including three three-hit games. Among American leaguers last week, he ranked first in runs, hits, doubles, extra base hits, batting average, and second on base percentage and slugging. I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty good. I think that is pretty good. 
So congratulations to Ramon Laureano, and congratulations to Ken Korak. By the way, the first that's happening today, the Chicago White Sox are opening up a 10-game homestand starting today against the Marlins. They will be the first team in Major League Baseball to have netting from foul pole to foul pole. Everybody's going to do it. That uh, That is going to happen. Everybody is going to have it. It's just a matter of time. But they are the first team. And some of the, you know, it, it'll, be, it'll be a trip to see how some of these ballparks do it because they're kind of a cookie cutter. Not every, not every ballpark is a cookie cutter, you know, the way the foul poles and down the line works. Some teams are going to have to get a little creative with how they've put in extra boxes down the right field line or the left field line. So the Chicago White Sox are the first one in the pool, and before you know it, everybody is going to have it. How about yesterday in Cooperstown? Last night after the game, I I taped it and got a chance to watch a lot of it. And it's always, you know, my favorite part is when they always introduce the guys and the guys come out, you know, the, the, the Hall of Famers. You know, here's Henry Aaron, here's Ricky Henderson, here's Wade Boggs, right? Oh, that's it's it's one of my favorites. And then you know these speeches mean so much to these guys, to their families. And you're truly dealing with the greats of the greats. Too many people now want to make the baseball hall of fame the hall of good. I still think it should be tough to get in. You only want the greatest players of all time. When you look at these guys' numbers, they're just insane. Here is a little it's a little montage that Cody's put together from the speeches yesterday in Cooperstown. Since I received the incredible and surprising news of my election to the Hall of Fame back in January, I spent a lot of time reflecting on my journey to Cooperstown. How did a kid from a small town in rural PA play enough wiffle ball to make it to the major leagues and pitch there for 18 years? I was never fortunate enough to win a Cy Young Award or be a World Series champion. I didn't win 300 games or strike out 3,000 batters. And while my opportunities for those achievements are in the past, today I get to become a member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Maybe I was saving up from all of those almost achievements for one last push, and this time I made it. I think that Roy would want everyone to know that people are not perfect. We are all imperfect and flawed in one way or another. We all struggle, but with hard work, humility, and dedication, imperfect people can still have perfect moments. Roy was blessed in his life and in his career to have some perfect moments, but I believe that they were only possible because of the man he strived to be, the teammate that he was, and the people he was so blessed to be on the field with. When Braden, Ryan, and I decided that Roy would be inducted into the Hall of Fame with no logo on his hat, both teams quickly reached out to us, telling us how proud they were of that decision. Validating the choice that we knew in our hearts was right was, in fact, the correct one. We know without a doubt, had Roy been here with us today, this is the decision that he would have made and more than anything, would want both organizations to know that they hold a huge place in our heart and always will. I stand here today very humble by this honor. It has taken time to seek in. When moments like the Hall of Fame orientation, 
sign the wall where my flat would hang, and stand here today in front of tens of thousands of baseball fans. It makes it seem like less of a dream. As an 18-year-old from the Eastern Shore, I could not uh, imagine my career would leave me being selected in the first round by Hall of Famer Bill Beck, General Manager and Buccaneer winner Roland Heeman. Tony Larissa, thank you for giving me the opportunity to play in the major leagues and teach me a very important lesson. The game has always been played for the name on the front of the uniform, never for the one on the back. Since the first time I saw Roberto Clemente on TV and some highlights in the World Series, I was hooked on the game of baseball. All I wanted to do was play the game, and like most kids in Puerto Rico, I wanted to be like Roberto Clemente. What a great example Roberto Clemente was to all of us in Puerto Rico. And what an honor to have my plaque in the hall alongside with his. Randy, big unit. I don't know if you remember, but when you went to play for Arizona, a reporter quoted me in the paper. I say something about you that you didn't like. You came to me and asked, what was that in the paper? And I say, what paper? And then you told me, don't worry, it will hurt, but only for a minute. <laughs> Watch him, he might throw at me right now. <laughs> family means so much to me. I felt the warmth from the Cuff family every day I walked to the ballpark, even before I got to Wrigley Field. From the fire department across the street to the ground crew on the field. To me, it truly was the friendly confines. I love pitching at Wrigley. Yes, there were home runs flying out of the ballpark, especially in the late innings, when they get at the late innings in the game, but it helped me learn to pitch. Wrigley taught me to concentrate on every pitch. There was no margin for error. I don't understand why I always have to be the last. <laughs> I, I keep saying that for the last. 20 years and last 17 years of my career, I always say, why I have to be the last one? But uh, I guess being the last one was a special. The New York Yankees organization, Brian Cashman, everybody else, front office, man, uh, it's, it's, it's a privilege and honor to just be part of one organization. I did it with dignity, with honor and pride. I tried to carry the pinstripes the best that I could. I think I did it right with that. 95, I got the call, made it to the big leagues. As it started, like Andy Pettit was saying, and uh, I didn't do too good. So I have another friend with me also, and they sent me down, and they sent him down to, with me too. That was Mr. Derek Jeter. Can you believe that now? <laughs> They both sent it out the same day. We were belated, we were almost literally crying in Bennigan's New Jersey. Couldn't believe it, but that, that only makes us stronger. Bennigan's. Think about that. I always loved Bennigan's. Bennigan's has like happy hour like all day. There used to be a Bennigan's over by where Levi Stadium is in Santa Clara. It's still there, isn't it? No, it's uh, it's a steak place now. Finnegan's is no longer there. That right there was the way when Levi Stadium first opened up, what people didn't realize was that was a great place to park, and then you could walk down to Levi Stadium and then go to whatever event you're going to, 
and then walk back, get in your car, get right on 101, and you're out of there. And I used to laugh. And be, oh, you can't get out of Levi Stadium. It takes forever. Well, because you just don't know what to do. You don't go in Levi Stadium. Here, here's a little tip from Townie. Uncle Townie's tip of the day. If you're going to a concert, if you're going to an event, and you're going to a Niner game, don't be cheap. Park in one of the businesses outside of Levi Stadium. Now, this is if you're getting back on 101. If you're going, if you're doing something else, I don't got you there. Actually, there is a back way into Levi Stadium that you 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 take. It's over by you take North First Street. You get off. So if you're if you're going on 87 towards the San Jose Airport, it's the last exit you take before you get on 101. There's a way to do it that too. You can get in and out of Levi Stadium. You just can't get in the parking lot. If you get in the parking lot, it's death. You have to park outside. You just walk through the parking lot after the event, cross the street, get in your car, boom, and you'll be out of there in no time. Jeff Blum, Blummer, one of my favorites. He really is one of my favorites. The former Cal Bear is going to join us next as we get you ready for this huge series between the A's and the Astros right here on A's Cast Live. Now back to A's Cast Live. Broadcasting from the town, here's Chris Townsend. Jeff Blum, the former Cal Bear, had a great career in the big leagues, World Series hero, World World Series champion in 2005 with the White Sox. Played for the Expos, the Astros, the Devil Rays, the Padres, the White Sox, the Padres again, the Astros, and then ended his career with the Diamondbacks and now does television, and he's really good. So he'll be joining us in moments. How good has Homer Bailey been? His last six starts, he's 4-0 with a 2.57 ERA. So both guys going tonight. You look at Cole, you look at Bailey. Cole is 6-0 with a 2.11 ERA in his last 10 starts. So Bailey and Cole, both hot. This series is going to be awesome. And we do have him. He's a World Series hero. He's a former Cal Bear, and he's just killing it in Houston doing television. Blummer, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Townsend? I am doing really well, and I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to this series as the A's are playing good baseball. Uh, the the Astros, I mean the uh, the Angels, got you guys all fired up, and now you guys have won five in a row. This is going to be a lot of fun. It should be a lot of fun. It's nice how the rotation is matched up to have Garrett Cole, Miley, and Justin Verlander going in this series. Uh, you know, we don't give A.J. Hinch enough credit for, uh, you know, what he was doing. He was he said, quote-unquote, that he was trying to separate Cole from Verlander, but it worked out pretty good how later after the All-Star break, the matchup is what it is. Yeah, because I think uh, you look at what the A's have going, and Homer Bailey, who he's been red hot, Mike Fires has been red hot, so it's going to be basically the A's best against the Astros best. And just talk about ever since Marisnik got hit, I mean, it just ignited the Astros. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how those moments kind of bring guys together a little bit. But I knew, and everybody else knew, that going into that series against Anaheim, there might have been an opportunity for some retribution. 
because of that hit on Jake Marisnik, whether it was intentional or not. There's a, definitely a feeling within big league clubhouses that if you put one of our guys on the injured list, we're going to come back at you and tell you how much we didn't appreciate it. And the Angels squandered an opportunity just to hit Jake in the back and move on with things. But with Noe Ramirez getting up towards the head area, that kind of fired up uh, the, the guys in the dugout. They got on the top shelf. They started yelling at Albert Pujols. And it kind of galvanized and brought everybody together. But it definitely brought a little more emotion to a ball club that was just kind of going through the motions at the time. Yeah, you know it's a uh, it's it's a long season, and you never know what, it, what, what what's going to happen to a ball club to really get it going. But you know, for the A's, the way they've been playing, you know, it, it's just strange. Like every single year when the A's are good, pretty much since like two thousand, it's like the A's struggle at first, and then all of a sudden they hit June and July, and they and they really put the pedal to the metal. You know, why do you think that that has happened for all these years for this franchise? Well, that's what I wanted to flip the script on you getting on this show because that's something that, you know, from afar, you know, even as a player when I was coming up and playing against the A's and watching what they were doing, the second half of the Oakland A's organization, like you said, since 2000, I mean, it, that, that's a reasonable, reasonable amount of time to kind of assume that there's something going on up there uh, in uh, Northern California that makes these guys play so well. And, you know, last year a lot of the questions with the uh, Oakland Athletics was, they're young, they're playing hard, will they be able to sustain themselves? Well, they did. This year it was, oh, they're falling off a little bit because they're, they're, they're too young to understand how to bounce back from a season like they had last year. And here they are, the second half of the season, making a push in the West, obviously making a push in the wild card. But I want to ask you, I don't have an answer for it. How do they do that? Is it Bob Melvin? Is it Billy Bean? Is it just something that happens up there in Northern California? Well, I've been asking everybody this question, especially people who've been around the whole time, like a guy like Ray Fossey, and no one really has an answer because you think about it. There's been a ton of different managers. There's different coaches. There are different players, but the script remains the same. I think the best way to, I guess, to explain it would be there's always a lot of turnover. So since there's a lot of turnover, it takes some time. But once everybody acclimates in a great clubhouse, and the A's have always had a great clubhouse, and you can talk to that, the difference between having a great clubhouse and a bad clubhouse, I guess it just takes time for everybody to figure it out. But when they figure it out around June, and then away you go. No, you're absolutely right, and I agree with you as far as the clubhouse, and that's what I give a lot of credit to Bob Melvin about, really getting these guys in the mindset of going out there and playing hard as they can every every day and believing their, in their ability. But, uh, you know, it also might be a situation, and this doesn't hold true for Astros or Astro fans because we've seen the Oakland Athletics for the last seven years in the American League do what they do in the second half of these, of these seasons. But it's amazing to me how people around baseball really take for granted the Oakland uh, A's as a team, just because of what you said with the turnover, you know, there are a lot of faces moving in and out and understanding that, you know, if you do play well in Oakland, there's a chance you get shipped out. But at the same time, they get taken for granted for whatever reason. And I think to your point with that clubhouse, these guys kind of figure out, hey, we're not as bad as, we, as everybody else thinks we are. We believe in ourselves. So why don't we go out there and play and prove everybody wrong? Yeah, that really seems to be the common theme over the years is that they want to go out there and prove everybody wrong and play as hard as they can. And they're highly talented, especially in the last couple of years. Speaking of themes, uh, we have one here in Oakland, and you can pretty much say the same thing for every team. 
ball goes far, team goes far. And all these home runs that are going out is I'm, 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 I'm looking at these lineups today, and you, your lineup's got a bunch of home runs. This lineup has a – what are you seeing with this baseball and the record amount of home runs going on in Major League Baseball right now? You know what, it wasn't until recently where I started to believe a little bit about the juice baseball. You know, having sat here and watched Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander go about their business, they go out, there's been plenty of games where they've gone out, struck out a double-digit number in strikeouts, yet they've given up two or three home runs. So you kind of, it kind of piques your interest a little bit, or you say, oh, they made a mistake, and the way guys are swinging, every athlete this day and age is bigger faster, stronger, so maybe they're squaring up some of the mistakes that these guys make. But then you go back and you see that they've hit a 350-foot home run, a 365-foot home run, and I think those are the ones that really cause a lot of concern for guys like Verlander and Garrett Cole because in years past, those might be warning track shots. And if you take it a little bit further and watch a lot of the baseball games around Major League Baseball, I've seen, I feel like I've seen more often than not fly balls to the outfield push outfielders back. They've drifted back. We haven't seen as many come charging in on a lot of these fly balls or stay camped out where they're at. A lot of these, you know, not necessarily well-hit baseballs have a tendency to drift a little bit further and push these outfielders back. And then, of course, you know, you read a couple of articles in The Athletic where astrophysicists have actually done, you know, substantial, legitimate work to the baseball and have five different theories that they're working on to say that the ball actually is traveling faster. And you add... You add the baseball to the player, to the, the swing thoughts that these guys are having on launch angles and just pummeling home runs for three swings and at bat, not cutting down with two strikes, and you get more fly balls. So it's a culmination or it's a combination of the baseball and the, the modern-day uh, hitter. Yeah, we've had the astrophysicist on. She's actually local here in Fremont. Yeah, Meredith Wills, Dr. Meredith Wills. She's fabulous. She's written some great articles, man. (laughs) Yeah, she's kind of put Rob Manfred in the corner a little bit. No, I completely agree, and I I love that fact. And what was most astonishing, and I'm sorry to interrupt, is the most astonishing fact to me was that, uh, you know, Major League Baseball had purchased part of Rawlings, and nobody had really talked about it. Yeah, I had no clue about that, so it's like, wow. So there's some interesting things. Also very interesting that came out of The Athletic is just how the Astros are changing baseball once again, and they have that McKenzie and Company, that consulting firm. They've brought them in, and usually when you think consulting firms in baseball that they're worried about ticket sales or or, or whatever, but this is about in-house, in baseball, and breaking down baseball in 2017 and 2018 for the Astros. What have you learned about this consulting firm, how they have helped the Astros? Um, you know what? I, I just read an article briefly that said that they were getting in on the and trying to streamline what they're doing. But it's also interesting that, you know, Jeff Luno obviously has strong ties to the company. But it's also, I think it's, it, it talks a little bit more about how the Astros are trying to get better at literally everything they're doing. And I, think, I don't think they've plateaued, but I think they've gotten to a point where they've really figured out whatever algorithms or whatever the scouting process is or whatever the information they're sending to the ball club. You know, they've really figured out how, how they get their information and what information they want. Now they're trying to figure out how they can make the organization better. But it, it will be an interesting conversation if I ever get the opportunity to corner Jeff Luno and ask him a little bit more about that and see what he says about it. That would be a lot of fun to talk about. Yeah, he's a little busy right now at the trade deadline. And what's always scary about the Astros 
is that the Astros are really like the main team now that knows how to look at other people's talent and realizes the guys that they think they can bring in and they can make that guy better like we've seen with Cole, like we've seen with Verlander. Have you ever seen anything anything like this in your career? Oh, no, not at all. No, I usually, you know, there, there's a consensus between, you know, us and the media or players or general managers, and you have a very good idea of who the, who the best guys on the worst teams are, and those are typically the names that get thrown out there. And that has completely shifted with the uh, Astros organization not that Garrett Cole or Justin Verlander were marginal guys, but you look at Justin Verlander and people say, well, he's at the tail end of his career. Comes over to the Astros, all of a sudden he has renewed life, a great fastball, and he's developed a slider. Garrett Cole, a guy pitching who was who young, but they just said, well, maybe he's peaked a little bit, he's given up a lot of home runs. Comes over to the Astros, gets on the four-seam fastball, and all of a sudden he becomes a strikeout machine. Uh, the other guy a little bit more may have gone under the radar a little bit is a guy like Ryan Presley. They were impressed with his spin rate and didn't feel the Minnesota Twins were using it properly. They trade for him, and all of a sudden he becomes a spin master out in the, in the bullpen, striking everybody out, and proves to be a, a you know an all-star worthy setup guy for Roberto Osuna. And I, and that's where they've kind of perfected the market a little bit and perfected some of those algorithms and how they scout guys and being able to look outside the box. And the reason they do that is because they've done such a good job in the draft and they have a future with prospects that they don't want to get rid of them. So how do you maximize some of the marginal prospects that you do have to get a good return? So you have to dig a little bit deeper, find some numbers, find some guys that maybe are a little more available at a little bit less price and make them better. I think about you. You played for the Astros in 02 and 03, but then you came back in 2008. Think if it was like now, you'd be hitting 30 home runs a year with this stuff. Tell you what, man, you know what I think about it all the time and it's always fun to, you know, retire after your career and say, well, if I played in this generation, I would have done this. I would have done that. But uh, it would have taken a lot of hard work to compete at this level. But I see the baseball and that's probably the most notable difference. Two things. The baseball is a little bit different and the swing uh, thought is a little bit different. When I was coming up and when I played in the big leagues, I I had to be a contact guy. I couldn't strike out. I had to put the ball in play, force my way on base you know, uh, you know, not get out of the zone and try and swing too big. And if I would have had that mentality of going for the downs every time, who knows, I might have hit one more homer and nobody would have been talking about the 99 I've got. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you would have been concerned about your launch angle, you know, it's crazy. And, and, and I talk to people all the time about this. Like when we were growing up, we were taught, you know, have the approach of hit it back up the middle. Well, you can't do that anymore because they got a guy standing right there. Oh, absolutely true. That was the biggest thing. Hit it, they always said hit it to the big part of the park, and the big part of the park was up the middle because the, traditionally the shortstop's playing shortstop, the second base was playing second base. But if you move that guy up the middle, that takes away that in, you know, that entire thought process, and you either turn into a guy who insides out everything to try and beat the shift, or you drop and drive and try and hit it over the shift. Blummer, you're the best. We always appreciate it. Have a good call tonight and enjoy this series. You know what? Absolutely. Thank you for having me on, and I hope it is a good series. I know the A's are playing great baseball. I appreciate appreciate the way they play, and I also appreciate the fans. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, buddy. Jeff Blum, World Series hero for the White Sox. He never has to buy another drink or a dinner in Chicago again. That huge home run he hit in the World Series, Game 3, against, uh, the, against the Astros. Jeff Blum.
really good broadcaster, too. Love talking to that guy. Are you ready? Uh, we're out of here at 4. We're only on for an hour. Yeah, we're on, I got, we're on I, until 4. Why do I sit here and prepare all day and have all these nuggy nugs and everything, and it's only on for an hour? How about this? You want You want another one? A nuggy nug? Of course. A, a, another nuggy nug? To celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 mission, Rick Armstrong, Neil Armstrong's son, will throw out the first pitch tonight at Minute Maid Park. Did you know that? I, I didn't. I got one for you, too. All right. Did you know more guys have walked on the moon than have scored against than have scored on Mariano Rivera in the, in the playoffs? More guys have walked. Well, some people think we've never walked on the moon. It's true. Conspiracy theorists. But 12 guys have walked on Wait, the moon. We need to get my sound. This is where we could play my, 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 all my it's, sound. It's all my flash hours. I have to... It, this, this is when then the X-Files song comes on. With this millennial technology, it's hard for us to get all those drops yeah, in Yeah, you there. millennials need to figure out my how do we get all my drops going. But 12 guys, 12 men have walked on the moon, and 11, guy, 11 runs have been given up by Mariano Rivera in the playoffs. One of the craziest stats about Mariano Rivera, 141 innings pitched in the postseason. He's only given up two home runs. I think the last one was the in the World Series against the Diamondbacks was the last one he gave up. I mean, that's, that's crazy. 141 innings in postseason play, and you only gave up two, two home, home runs? Uh, that's why he was the first unanimous Hall of Famer, with, you know, deservingly so. Do Summer- you think Jeter really deserves that I think next year? I think it's going to happen. Uh, not, not whether you think it's going to happen. Do you think he deserves it? No, because if, if Ken Griffey Jr. or Greg Maddox, two guys that I watched growing up my entire life, and Greg Maddox is my favorite pitcher. Henry my- Aaron was not. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Willie Mays was not. Joe DiMaggio, Ted Williams, Ricky Henderson. What Bill, Bill James said you could you could you could split up Ricky Henderson and you'd have two Hall of Famers. I saw something earlier today. A player could steal fifty bases for the next twenty five years, and Ricky would still have more stolen bases. Okay, how about this one for Ricky? We're just going dueling nugs here. Derek Jeter in his final year with the Yankees stole a base and finally passed Ricky Henderson as the all time stolen base leader for the Yankees. Ricky didn't play in New York that long, and he still, for all these years, had the most stolen bases ever in franchise history. I don't know if I have a nug, nuggy nug to top that. I mean, I when I heard that, I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" I mean, I got to look this up. I mean, Ricky didn't play. It was just basically, it was some years in the '80s. I mean, out of all the people who played for the New York Yankees. I'll have it for you in a second. Ricky Henderson. Well, here, I wanted to ask you this. Baseball quickly. reference. Hold on. I'm okay. here. Ricky goes to New York in 1985. Ricky Henderson is there one, two, three, four years. Five years. Five and a half, four and a half years because he was traded to the A's in 89. In four and a half years, Ricky Henderson owned the stolen base record of all time for the Yankees. And the Yankees, back in the day, you think of all the great players – he still had the most stolen bases. It's crazy. And, Rick, and that just shows you how great it was. I told you, fi- over the next 25 years, a player can sell 50 bases each year, and Ricky would still have more. That's just. Can I remind you of something that I want to do? I want to talk about Ricky Henderson. If he was playing today, what would it be like? Because I don't think he'd be the same player. Well, the stolen bases are devalued, so that, that'd be out. I, Yes. He would still be a great player, though. He's still going to be a Hall of Fame player. Oh, yeah. I, just, I just think there's certain statistics that would flip because bottom line is not only did Ricky Henderson steal the most bases of all time, 
He also was caught stealing the most of all time. It's like Brett Favre, most touchdown passes, or we had the record for most touchdown passes, but he also has the most interceptions of all time. So there's always a give and take with stuff like that. So let's just say, let, let's, you know, well, for instance, your best hitter now on a lot of teams is batting second. Your most your most dominant guy. Yeah, Mike. They started with Mike. Mike Trout and the Angels started that. Okay, and it, Josh Donaldson, Josh Donaldson and, did it. Yeah. So like, is Conseco hitting second? Probably. And if Conseco's hitting second, are you going to let R- Ricky? Because Ricky, there was a lot of energy that it took for Ricky Henderson to score. Right, the Rick steal second, steal second. Well, now people want one swing of the bat instead of one run. I now got two, two runs. Yeah. So, and not everybody likes guys stealing when they're, when they're hitting. I just, w- remind me, we need, maybe we'll do that on Wednesday. What would it be like if Ricky played today and how would that, Ricky, Ricky probably, I mean, Ricky had legit, if Ricky was playing today, is he hitting 35 plus bombs a year? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I, the record, but the most, uh, uh, most nine number I've ever seen for home run hit by, home runs hit by a leadoff guy was obviously Brady Anderson at 50. What was that twenty three oh, years yeah, ago? Uh, Ricky could hit, I think, thirty every year. That's how good of a the player most he, was. he ever hit in a season was twenty eight. Yeah, but he, Ricky had the power and playing in today with this ball and this, you know, and in the right ballpark, Ricky may be hitting forty a year. I mean, he's still going to steal bags. I'm just saying he's not stealing one hundred and thirty. He's not stealing one hundred and ten. Well, he's not going to be. Uh, we'll save this for another well, day. Well, I was say that's one thing that people always said about Ichiro. People always said that Ichiro had sneaky power that he never showed. He could he could hit thirty home runs if he really wanted. I, I want to see it, Ichiro. I mean, you're one of the greatest hitters ever. Let's see some of that power. Well, maybe he comes back. He's still in uniform. With I, the, I mean, he he could probably he could probably still play better than half the guys that are playing in the majors. Are you ready for buying or selling in this thing? Let's go. It's time for buying or selling. Sell, sell. Right now with Chris Townsend on A's Cast Live. A's Cast Live. All right, well, I was going to do this one last, but you know what? Since we were talking about Ricky and Jeter and everything, I, I, I want to ask you this. Now, we saw six guys go into the Hall of Fame yesterday, and I looked at the list for guys could go in next year. You got people like Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Omar Vizquel, Larry Walker, who might get in on his last year, Kurt Schilling, Todd Helton, Scott Rowland, Sammy Sosa, Jeff Kent, Manny Ramirez, Andy Pettit, and the list goes on. Buying or selling that Derek Jeter will be the only player that goes into the Hall of Fame in 2020? Uh, I'll buy that. Because no one's trending like Edgar was, right? There's not, like... Usually, if you're going to get in, you're, like, now at, like, 70%. You're, you're like, 65%. You have to get, what, 75% of the vote, right? Well, uh, 75%. Yeah, so you're, 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 you're sniffing 70, usually, when that happens. Is, was there anybody close to that? Uh, so, Kurt Schilling got 61%. Okay, Roger Clemens so got that, 60 Bonds got 59 So, then Schilling would be the only guy, and I would still say he doesn't get voted in. I will buy Jeter is the only guy next year. Yeah, I think. And, how, and, of course, it'll be Jeter in New York. It'll be all about him, the captain. It'll make me want to throw up. Only five players have, only five players have more hits in their career than Derek Jeter does. I get it. I mean, I'm not going to da- – I mean – one of the things I think that does make him worthy is I'm not sure anybody had to deal with the media and deal with the scrutiny on a daily basis 
Derek Jeter talked after every single game, whether he played in the game or not. He talked to the media after every single game. He was single. He played all those years in New York. Never had a scandal. I, you know, if you want to have like the perfect career, the big postseason hits. I, I have no problem with Derek Jeter being the next player who gets every single vote. Have you ever seen? Speaking of Derek Jeter, have you ever seen his dating diamond? Oh, it's incredible. It just, I mean, I don't. We'll say maybe we'll say this, but you got you got Hannah Davis, you got Minka Kelly, Tyra Banks, Jordana Brewster, Adriana Lima, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Vanessa Manillo. Mariah Carey, Jessica Alba, Jessica Biel. Tyra Banks. Tyra Banks. And he's, he lives a good life. He's now married to Hannah Davis. I believe they have one or two children together. So shout out Jeter and Hannah. Yeah. So let's keep the Hall of Fame talk hey, going. Hey, hey, Jeets didn't get, he didn't get cheated in his career. No, not at all. He was blessed. He was, yeah. he was a blessed And, guy. you know, just for that list, he should be, everybody should vote for him for the Hall of Fame. He's going to be unanimous, second he, guy ever. He was a Hall of Famer on the field and off the field. I, I heard the rumor. Da. Every, every time uh, Jeter, people left Jeter, when he would leave in the morning, he'd leave in like a gift basket or yeah. fruit basket. Yeah. yeah. Hey, here's a signed baseball. Yeah. Thanks for coming by. That's a stand-up guy, I'll yeah. tell you. Yeah, here's some tickets. All right, so keep let's keep with the uh, Hall of Fame talk. We saw Mike Musinaga in the Hall of Fame yesterday after an 18-year career, 10 years with the Orioles, 8 with the New York Yankees. Musinaga won 270 games, finished with a 3.68 ERA, and struck out 2,819 batters throughout his career. Although Musinaga never won a Cy Young or a World Series, he did have top, um, six top five finishes in the Cy Young, and he was a five-time All-Star, seven-time Gold Glover, so it made me think. Zach Granke is currently 35 years old. He has 197 career wins, a 336 career ERA. He's on face to finish with more Ks and a lower ERA than Messina. He's won a Cy Young. He's a six-time All-Star, and he has five gold gloves, and he's won the ERA title twice. Buying or selling Zach Granke as a Hall of Famer? Selling. You know what the difference between Granke and Messina? Uh, the Yankees. Bingo. Are, are, are we making this the Hall of Good? Or are we saying, or are we going to keep this the Hall of Fame, the hardest Hall of Fame to get into? I, I think we got to keep it the hardest the Hall of Fame to get into. I would, I, have, not, just, I would have not put Moose in. Yeah, I, I I loved watching Moose pitch. I thought, you know, he, he's a Pennsylvania guy, not not Western Pennsylvania, but he's a Pennsylvania guy. I saw reform, but I, I just I, I no because I I couldn't put him in. I mean, if we're going to go off of the whole, you have to win three hundred games or three thousand strikeouts, he. He didn't do either. I mean, you look at those guys that were coming out yesterday. When you're looking at Dennis Eckersley and you're looking at Randy Johnson, I mean, you know, the greats of the great. You really put Mike Messina up as one of the greats of the great? Uh, if, no. If Mike Messina played his career in Baltimore and Tampa, he's not in. No, it's not even close. All right. Buying or selling this. We all know what happened in early June between Madison Bumgarner and Max Muncy when Muncy homered off him at Oracle Park and the ball landed and McCovey Cove, and Muncy may or may not have admired the home run, and then he told Baumgartner, "If you want me, if you want me to watch, don't want me to watch the ball. You can get out of the ocean. Get out of the ocean. Came a T-shirt. Blah blah blah." So Muncy's back at it Thursday after Hector Neris closed out the Philly seven-six win against the Dodgers. He spent a little too much time staring at and talking smack towards the Dodgers bench. Muncy responded saying, "He's blown about eight saves against us over the last two years. So I guess he is finally he was finally excited to get one." Whatever. Buying or selling Mon- Max Muncy, the king of MLB trash talk. I'm buying it. He's uh, he's had some pretty good ones. Oh, I, 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 the, the whole go get the ball out of the ocean thing. That thing is hilarious. I think we need those shirts for the uh, for the Bay Bridge series. Oh yeah, put, put them in A's colors. 
Yeah, I, th- I think that's I definitely. And Muncy's a former A, so it's, it makes it even makes it even better. I like it. I'm buying. He is a and, and, and you know today's player. What's cool is that they'll go to Twitter to get after each other now. Yeah, too. that's I, yeah. I like that. Uh, by the way, Trevor Bauer's a great follow on Twitter. If you want to follow someone good on Twitter, follow Bauer on Twitter. All right. Uh, he's not afraid. No, he's great. He was uh, it, he was breaking down something earlier today that was really good. Uh, I have to go back and look, but it was he was breaking down like balls or uh, I don't know if it wasn't Doctor Wills' article, but he was breaking down something and it was really really good. All right, so it got me thinking about this since we're talking about the Giants and Bumgarner and blah blah blah. The Giants are now fifty and fifty. They've got back in the postseason picture with a surprising surge, going fourteen and three in their past seventeen games, and now only two and a half games out of the NL wild card. So I want to ask you this. Buster only said this in his article earlier. One source says he wouldn't be shocked if Bumgarner turned down a deal just to continue to be part of something he loves for the rest of his deal. He could use the no-trade clause to extract extra cash out of the Giants. Buying or selling Madison Bumgarner will stay with the San Francisco Giants. I believe I've answered something similar like this, and you weren't here. Here is my answer to that. I'm hoping he stays. And I'll tell you why. And yes, I am a troll. I want them to keep trying to save this ship that's sitting on the bottom of the ocean. And what happens is that you keep all these guys and they're just one more year older again and your farm system stinks. You got nothing in the farm system. And you try and save this, oh, it's Bochy's last year. That's what I want them to keep them because I know what's going to happen. But the problem is Farhan's not that dumb. Farhan knows he's got nothing. If you want to win, if you don't make moves now and get younger and get cheaper and start to rebuild, you just keep pushing back that rebuild process and it could just hurt you for more years. So if you want to. I, I, I'm I'm selling. I think I think I think Farhan in the end will do what's best for the organization. I mean, do you really think this? I mean, the only the only reason you'd keep him is if you think you can win a World Series. And if you can't win the if you don't think you can win the World Series, you got to do what's smart. You got to do what's smart. You got to do what's right for your business. And if you if if you keep the band together next year. What are you going to do next year? You going to keep him and then offer him a two hundred million dollar contract with the way he's throwing? It's not smart business. Well, Good well, luck. We're running out of time, so I'll save the red sleeveless jersey question for tomorrow. That's what, a tease. What is it? What is it? Do you, are you buying or selling the red sleeveless jerseys? They're celebrating the hundred fiftieth anniversary, so they've been wearing sleeveless jerseys, and you've seen guys like Puig and Michael Lorenzen and Derek Dietrich like lifting weights and stuff in the dugout. Are you buying or selling the sleeveless jerseys? I am uh, selling those. Okay, all right. Well. Yeah, I'm not 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 a big fan. All right, coming up next, we're going to have A's all night. A's all night with Alex Jensen, and then I will be back at four fifteen. You can stay right here on A's Cast, or you can listen on 860 AM, the answer to listen to our pregame show. It was a quick one hour. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Same deal tomorrow? Same deal tomorrow. And we'll see you all tomorrow right here on A's Cast Live. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.